Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training. Good, specialized training. Something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college. I'm talking about full-time filmmaker. Parker Wallbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it, and it propelled our business. Welcome to the Wedding Filmmaking for Beginners podcast. I'm your host, Phil Beabout, and today we are t- talking part two of two on why your image stinks and what you can do to fix it. So today we are going to be covering white balance, uh, color correction, and focus. So let's get into it. All right, so what is white balance. White balance is literally the process of removing unrealistic color casts so that objects which appear white in person are rendered white in your video. Now, you always want to make sure that when you're looking at your image that your whites are white and your blacks are black. Like those two are the base colors. So those those if you get those two right, chances are the rest of the colors are going to be correct through the spectrum. So when you are looking at your white balance, it's typically referred to as your color temperature, which is measured in units of Kelvin. Now, a lot of people leave their camera in auto white balance and don't do that. Don't ever, ever do that. The reason why is because you know, for those of you that are watching the YouTube video, if my camera was in auto white balance right now, despite the fact that I am sitting in front of a 3200 Kelvin light, it would be making micro adjustments the entire time I'm sitting here. I know that because I did it and I went back and watched it and it was a nightmare and I had to refilm an entire podcast because of it because it, it was virtually impossible to edit in post because the color was shifting, you know, every couple of minutes. So you always want to make sure that you are in manual everything. So you're not on auto ISO, you're not on auto white balance, like you don't want your camera doing any of that. You want to be at set values. So now you're probably asking yourself like, okay, well, if I'm going to set white balance value, what is it? Well, it's easy. Inside almost every camera, you can set custom white balance values. Now, if you are outside on a typical day in sunlight, that should be 5,600 Kelvin. 
That is the color temperature for the sun at around noon, like midday sun is 56, 5,500 Kelvin. Um, you will rarely need to change that from 5,600 Kelvin. We hardly do. You know, technically in cloud cover, I think it's 6,000 Kelvin. In the shade, it's 7,000 Kelvin. So there are some different things, but what I've noticed is, by and large, you don't need to change your Kelvin value while you're outside. 5,600 will pretty much get you through everything that you're doing outside on a typical wedding day. Now, when you move indoors, you're looking at around 3,200 Kelvin to 3,000 Kelvin for most indoor lighting. Now, you can get down to candlelight, which is in like the 2,000 range and that kind of stuff. But for the most part, at a wedding, if you were at 3,000 to 3,200 Kelvin on your camera, indoors with normal indoor lighting, you should be just fine. Where you start to see differences is when you're doing things like inside of a church. And you'll notice that inside of a church, they have mixed lighting. They have the light coming through the windows, which is 5,600 Kelvin. They also have the indoor lighting, which is around 3,000 to 3,200 Kelvin. So you just kind of split the difference. And we normally land at 4,000 Kelvin. Like 4,000 Kelvin seems to be a good mix when you're dealing with mixed lighting. Um, What's important is that you set your white balance to match the color that your eyes are seeing. So what you are physically looking at is what you should be seeing coming out of the camera. Now, by and large, 5,600 and 3,200 are going to get you through the entire day. But in the weird chances that you do need to change it, you need to match it with what you're physically looking at. So right now this table is white because there is a 3,200 Kelvin light that's shining down on me and the camera is set to 3,200 Kelvin white balance. So everything has its right, has the right color uh, cast to it right now. So always use your monitor or, you know, use your LCD screen and make sure that your whites look white. You never want to see them look yellow or anything like that. It means your white balance off. You can fix it in post. However, it can be a pain to fix it in post. And we're going to talk about color correction here, um, here in a few minutes, but, uh, you want to always match what your eyes see and, you, you just want to remember 5,600 and 3,200. Those two numbers should get you through the vast majority of what you're trying to do on a wedding day. And those numbers are close enough that if you do run into cloud cover uh, during the day, you can make some slight adjustments to that to change that color cast. So, you know, you can just stick to those two those two rules and you should be good to go. Next, I want to talk about sharpness because sharpness is not something that I've found that you can fix in post. Adding sharpness in post-production does not actually take a blurry image and sharpen it. It just, it, I've never seen that work, which means you have to nail it in the camera 100% of the time. So how do you do that? Well, some cameras have what's called focus peaking. 
the camera that I'm using right now has focus peaking. So I can see myself in my monitor with a bunch of red and pink lines running through my beard and on my eyes because the it, the monitor is telling me that those parts are in focus. So that's a tool that you use to pull focus and then you can see that what you're actually looking for is in focus. Now, I know with like GH5Ss, GH5s, S5s, when you start to manually focus on the lens, it actually punches in. So it punches in uh, by like 1.5 or something like that so that you can see like really nitty gritty details as you're trying to get that focus. And it does that on top of having focus peaking. So some cameras have those features, some cameras don't. Monitors have those features. The monitors that we have have focus peaking built into the monitor. So even if your camera doesn't have it, the monitor will be telling you what's in focus and what's not in focus. So having a blurred image will break your image because there's it'll just break the clip. There's no way for you to fix it because it, it's too late. It's not like going in and, you know, changing the color of a dress or something like that. You you can't fix that. So it's really really important that you're using a focus peaking tool uh, so that you nail it every time. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh color correction and then we're just going to go through just some basics of color correction, just universally between NLEs. And then we're going to talk about color correcting skin tones and that that'll be it. So we'll talk about those two as soon as we get back from break. Do you still email a PDF for a contract? Are you struggling to remember who you sent files to or what those files were? You need a solid CRM, a customer relation management tool a program that will send professional files and contracts all on your behalf. One that does not need to be printed, signed, and emailed back. Is this the Stone Age? You need HoneyBook. We've been using them for years now, and it increased our productivity by taking menial tasks and automating them. You can set up custom workflows to automatically send emails, payment reminders, thank you responses, etc. You can send brochures, questionnaires, and invoices too. We have three set up. One for when a couple inquires, one for after a call with a couple, and one for a booked wedding with nine steps. That saves us so much time on the back end. What would you do with more time? Spend more time with your family, spend more time working on creative projects, or just simply relaxing. Use our affiliate link below to save 50% on your first year. Go ahead. It's on us. Start saving time and money today. All right, everybody. Welcome back from break. Uh, like I said, I just want to roll right into color correction. So I'm going to keep this really basic. I'm not going to go into just a ton of detail. I want to talk about color correction just in general terms so that whatever NLE that you're using, you can apply it to. Uh, 
you know, I, I want to, there is a difference between color correction and color grading. So color correction is getting your whites white, your blacks black, and it's really bringing your colors into that like rec 709, like that color space. Like that's just color correction, just making your colors look the way that they should. Uh, color grading is when you're adding unique touches to the image to kind of make it your own. So if you, you know, if you went in and you color corrected an image and you got it to where everything looks normal and then you slapped a LUT on it, I mean, technically, I guess the LUT would be color grading because that's changing the colors into something different. But right now I want to talk about color correction because I think a lot of people don't have the basics down and that's what really affects their image. And what, what I want to talk about is I see in groups all the time, people posting image or posting their videos and saying, Hey, you know, can I get some constructive criticism on, on what this is and that kind of stuff. And, you know, you'll notice things like the bride's dress is green and it's green because it's the, what happens is when she's standing there in a white dress, the sun is reflecting the green off of the grass back onto her dress. So that causes a green color cast. The issue is uh, that's not hard to fix. Like that's not like a really labor intensive thing to go in and fix. I just think that people, what I'd like everybody listening to do is whenever you're looking at a clip, I want you to look at it and just be critical of it and just take 15 seconds and say, Hey, is the bride's dress white? Is it green? Is it blue? Is there like, what is there magenta in it? Like what is going on to the bride's dress? Because that's naturally where everybody's eyes are going to go. So you want to make sure that that color is correct. And what you'll notice is if you get those colors in the ballpark, the rest of the images colors will kind of fall in line because that's, that's just the base. So you really need to look at it and say to yourself, like, what do I need to do to fix this? Like, why, why are there so many greens in my highlights? Why are there so many blues in my shadows? Like you just, just look at it and you can really, if you do that a couple of times, you really start to pick up on these little nuances. And that's really what separates like professional films from other ones. Because people take the time, and it's not a lot of time either. They just take the time to analyze the image and then go in and fix it. And chances are, if you're fixing it in one clip, it's probably like that in a couple. And then you just copy-paste those attributes over, and then you fix those clips too. So I'm going to talk about a couple different things. I want to talk about, you know, a bride's dress that's green. And then I also want to talk about an image that's just blue because you had your white balance. Your white balance was completely wrong and your image is just bright blue all across the board. All of these techniques that I'm going to talk about should work regardless if you're in 8-bit footage or 10-bit footage because, you know, a little goes a long way. You don't need to pump a bunch of red into an image. You just need to move it enough to affect its overall, you know, color. So a little goes a long way. Don't, don't think that you need to crank stuff in to get results. Um, now, there are a couple of ways to go about 
fixing a dress. So if your dress was green because the, you know, the sun's blaring on it and it's the, the grass is reflecting up on it, you can do a couple of different things. In most NLEs, Premier, DaVinci, Final Cut, there is a white balance tool that will automatically try to obtain the proper white balance for that image. In DaVinci, it's a little dropper. Uh, in Final Cut, I think it's, it's just called white balance. There's a, a you just or match color. It's not match. It's right underneath match colors. It's called you know, white balance. So you can you can try to do it automatically inside of your NLE. Sometimes that works just fine. Sometimes it doesn't. But what I found is the majority of the time when you're trying to do that, it will at least get you close and then you can go in and manually tweak it to get you the rest of the way. So it gives you a good starting point. So I wouldn't say it's the end all be all, but it does give you a good place to start. Now, it gets you, like I said, it gets you into the ballpark. So you can also just manipulate it yourself using your color wheels, uh, your primaries. So in Final Cut, it's color wheels. In DaVinci, it's primaries. You know, whatever whatever NLE that you're using, they have the equivalent of those. In the color wheel itself, you see the spectrum of colors. So if you were imagining north, south, east, and west, like you were looking in a compass, on the east would be blue, on the west is yellow, on the south is kind of a mix between green and blue, and then on the north, it's... Uh, it's right in between red and magenta. So it's a full spectrum color wheel. Now you have that in every NLE. So why I'm telling you, why I'm telling you like that is because whatever color your image has in it, you want to go the opposite from it. So you want to take that color out by pushing in the opposing color. So if your image was if your dress was green because there is a green color cast to it, you want to take your color wheel and pull it towards magenta because that's in, in the spectrum. That's the opposite. So you want to pull it up towards magenta to remove that green color cast out of it. And you'll notice that as you add magenta, the green goes away and then you're going to hit a point to where the dress is just back to being pure white. Because you've you've balanced out what those two you know colors are, the same thing goes. Um, so let's let's just say that you were in Final Cut or you were in DaVinci. So typically, the white color of a dress lies within the highlights. So inside Final Cut, you have your master color wheel, you have your highlights, your midtones, and your shadows. In DaVinci Resolve, you have your offset, which is the equivalent to your master, and then you have your lift gamma gain, and that's your shadows, the pretty much your shadows, midtones, and highlights uh, in Final Cut. There are shadows, midtones, and highlights in DaVinci, but I don't want to go into the differences between the two of them just for all intents and purposes right now. You want to stick to your primaries wheels for what we're talking about. So inside Final Cut, you're going to manipulate the color wheel for your highlights. 
and inside DaVinci, you're going to manipulate the color wheel for your gain. Now you pull that from green towards magenta and you'll notice that the, the dress starts to become white. Now you've only changed one thing. Like that's all that you are doing. And that's all that you need to do. It's not like a crazy 10 step process where you have to mask a bunch of things and do a whole lot of, you know, stuff. It's really just taking the greens out of the highlights to bring back that white in the dress. Now, we also talked about if your image was really blue, just overall, the whole image is blue because your white balance is off. So this can be applied to if your whole image is, you know, too warm instead of, you know, it's too cool, yada, yada, yada. There's a couple ways that you can go about fixing that too. You can sit down and go into your temperature and tint wheels and you can add warmth or add coolness, maybe. I don't know what that word would be. You can, you can add either one of them, which can work, uh, or you can go into your master color wheel in Final Cut or your offset color wheel in DaVinci, and you can add the opposite color. So if your image is too blue, you want to pull your wheel to the left, which will bring more yellow into it. That will offset that color, and then it'll pro it'll start to bring it into. And if you're doing it on the master color wheel, it affects your uh, shadows, midtones, and highlights all at once. It's changing all the colors in in the entire image at once. So it's not just affecting a small spectrum; it's hitting all of them. The same thing with DaVinci. If you're using your offset wheel, it's going to do all all of your primary wheels at once. And then you can get your, your image into at least the ballpark. And then you can go in and start making little micro adjustments to your highlights or to your, you know, your shadows and that kind of stuff. So it's really not, I, you know, I don't want to, it's really not that difficult to go in and make these changes. Like it's not, it doesn't take a film degree to be able to go in and start making these little adjustments. What I think most people don't do is really evaluate what their image looks like. I think that they shoot it in camera, they bring it over in post, they might throw a LUT on it, and then they export it. And I don't think they're taking just the extra, you know, 10 to 20 seconds per clip to really look and say, hey, what do I need to do to get this into the right color space? Like, what do I need to do to make her dress white? And if you just take that small amount of time and do that, you're going to notice an exponential improvement in just the overall quality of your wedding videos. Just taking that, you know, 20 seconds is going to really improve what your video actually looks like. And You just, you need to recognize that your colors are off and the biggest step is just understanding that there's an issue with the image itself and that you need to go in and fix it and just get your colors into the right space and then call it good. And like I said, once you get it into the right space for 
one image, chances are you can use that same color palette on other similar images to get you right into the right space right off the bat. And then you just got to make some real small tweaks to kind of, you know, finalize everything. And the other thing that I think about, the other thing is people are not color matching their shots from one clip to the other. I don't know of a feature in Final Cut like this, but in DaVinci, you have what's called Lightbox. You just click Lightbox and it shows you every clip on your screen. And you can just scroll through and see all of your clips at once. And that really helps in looking at like, hey, these three clips are super red and these two aren't. So that you can go back into those other two and either increase, you know, the red colors or decrease it in the other three, depending on what your look is. But that gives you the ability to go and look at all of them in like a really holistic way and say, hey, I need all of these shots to match. Like there needs to be continuity between all of the shots. So it's it's important that you take that into account, too, that, that all of your shots on the last wedding film that we did. um, Two things that I really tried to match up across every shot was the officiant was wearing a purple outfit. So I tried to match that purple color between every shot that you've seen with her in it. And then the groom had a very uh, like unique blue colored suit. So it was really important that that blue stayed the same color across every shot with him in it. Otherwise, it would look weird if it was light blue, dark blue, medium blue, navy blue as you were bouncing through it. So it's really important that you you take the time too to make sure that you are um, uh, your your shot matching. So let's talk about skin tones. It's really important that you get your skin tones right, especially for a wedding video, because the bride is going to be looking at that more than anything. There is a tool in almost every NLE that is called a vector scope. A vector scope, you can turn on what's called the skin tone line. And that is a line that shows you pretty much exactly where uh, your colors need to be for skin tones. Now, this line is definitely your friend when it comes to editing inside a wedding film. So you really need to get used to it. What you need to do is isolate the skins in, that sounded weird. You need to isolate the skin tone uh, in your film. So in your clip, the best way to do that is to make sure that you have contrast and then make sure that you know, your, your colors are saturated the right way and that kind of stuff, because that, that allows the NLE to separate things easier. So you isolate your skin tone and then you look at how that is measured on the line. So if it's falling pretty much straight on it and about halfway up, you're pretty good to go. You're, you're definitely in the right area that the skin tone is, is landing there. 
Now, if it's too green, you'll see that it's going down. If it's too red, it's going above the line. If it's oversaturated, it's going way, it's going farther than, you know, 50%. And if it's undersaturated, it's less than 50% of the line. So I'm literally just taking the line in the vector scope. You cut it in half with an imaginary, you know, just an imaginary line. And that's where you see your saturation. And if it's going below it, or above it, you either have too much green or too much magenta. So uh, to add red or green to your skin tones, you know, let's say that it's below and you need to add red to it. Most skin tones lie in the midtones. So you would just go to your midtone wheel or your gamma wheel in DaVinci and you would push red into it. And remember, a little goes a long way. You don't need to crank the red up because you'll you'll see the, you know, you'll break the image and that kind of stuff. So use your eyes. If the image, if it the skin looks too pink or if it looks too red or if there's green or there's something going on with the shadows in it, use, just look at your image and make those adjustments too, because your, your eyes aren't going to really like they'll, they'll, you'll be able to see, you know, what, what's going on. Like you don't want them to look like a zombie. So it's, it's important that you pay attention to that too. And yeah, that skin tone line is really a lifesaver. So you need to, it's important that you're using the vector scope and you're using that skin tone line inside of it. So just kind of wrap things up. Your white balance, your focus and color correction, they're really important to getting a great image. It makes your life 10 times easier in post-production if you have those things, you know, kind of dialed in. To, to tie uh, everything together, you know, you want to make sure that you have your exposure right. You want to make sure your white balance is right. Uh, you want to make sure that you're in focus. And then you want to make sure you understand some basics of color correction when you're in post-production. Now you do have a little leeway in white balance though, because you can fix some of these things in post, but you can't fix your focus. So it's really important that you, you nail focus all the time. And something I didn't think about until I was, you know, kind of going through these episodes and that kind of stuff is a monitor is a ridiculously helpful thing because everything that we talked about in these last two episodes, our field world monitors have built into it. So focus peaking, zebra striping, waveforms, you know, all of that stuff is in it. So if you don't have a monitor, I'd highly recommend you looking at some of them. They're, they're five inch ones or like 150 bucks. The seven inch one, I think was 250. So I'd really recommend looking into those too, because that, that really helps. So if you like this video, be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast. Join our private fight face group, uh, Facebook group, Wedding Filmmaking for Beginners. And again, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that these two parts really help you and that you can apply these. I uh, hope everybody's staying safe. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out. All right, bye. Are you looking at a really nice camera you can't afford? Are you wondering how companies afford six red Monstro 8K cameras and all the trimmings? You need to make more money so you can buy one. No, I'm kidding. You need to rent. Renting equipment is way easier than you think. You can ship it all back and forth from your house and it's way cheaper than buying. Best of all, you should include the rental cost in your pricing to pass on the expense because you're shooting with better gear. 
Wouldn't it be great to use something other than a Canon SL2 for your next project? Run a Sony a7S 3 or a Canon 1DX Mark III. You don't need to buy them. We rent additional cameras, lighting gear, and audio equipment all the time from Borrow Lenses. We've never had a late shipment or anything other than an awesome experience with their customer service. Use our affiliate link below to get renting today and you'll have professional equipment tomorrow.